Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Keen Gamer Podcast. We are so happy to be here and talking about games with you all. Once again, I am joined by a fantastic panel. First of all, let me introduce Mark. How's it going today? Hey, uh, hey, Carl. Hey, Jessica. I'm all good, and I hope you guys are well, too. Awesome. Happy yeah, to be thank here. you. Uh, Jessica, welcome back to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing good, thanks. Excited to talk about more games. Absolutely. Games is what we're here for. A lot of games to talk about. On this week's show, we're going to start the way we always do, talking about the games that we're currently playing. Then we'll segue into some new stories of the week. And to end the show, we are talking about the 2021 games that we are still looking forward to this year. There's only two months left in 2021, but there's still quite a few games that we're looking forward to and we're all pretty eager to talk about as well. The first game we want to talk about this week is probably the newest one we have, and that's Mario Party Superstars. Um, To begin, I'm the only one playing it on the panel right now, and up until this game's release, I was very ready to not buy this game. I feel like the past couple Mario Parties have really either burnt me or disappointed me in vast ways, either through the minigames or how the game itself is played. Um, but my partner decided to spontaneously, spontaneously buy Mario Party and bring it home. And I've been having a blast with it. I'm so glad that she brought it home. For people out there who don't know, Mario Party Superstars is essentially a nostalgic vehicle for old Mario Party fans. What they did is they grabbed five classic boards from the first three Mario Party games and have recreated and reimagined them for the modern game. And it also takes mini games, like specific mini games from Mario Party 1 through, I think, Mario Party 6 or 7 on the GameCube and puts them in there. Um, what I'm really liking about it so far is that the nostalgia is just hitting so hard. I didn't realize how much I missed Mario Party 1, 2, and 3 until I saw some of these maps, including um, like there's a, there's a map on top of Peach's uh, birthday cake, which is very fun. There's a uh, Halloween land, which is uh, like a spooky kind of map. Um, I'm just really surprised with how much I'm enjoying it. The biggest surprise, though, is I'm not I'm not playing a lot of offline. The online in Mario Party is actually really good. I haven't done any online parties yet, but I'm really enjoying playing mini games with people online. So I just have to ask, um, as somebody who's never played Mario Party myself, I know you're a Nintendo guy and you've always been like that Nintendo guy, you know, but at parties, what would, good, yeah. yeah, you know, you know what I'm going, where I'm going with that. Um, but what would, uh, you say to me if I was kind of on the fence about buying it? Um, you know, I've played party games before where you can complete, compete with, um, your friends, mm-hmm. you know, couch co-op style or whatever. So what what would I, you say? What I'm, yeah, my, my biggest sell on this Mario Party package is that later Mario Party games, we'll say from Mario Party 4 to like, honestly, 10, they throw a lot of gimmicks into the Mario Parties that often distracted from the fun. They'd add new twists or items like they're always trying to reinvent the Mario Party. But the originals is where it's at. It's almost like you can watch just a, for example, you can watch the original um halloween movie and be a big fan of that but not like the remake mario party superstars is like going back to the original of a franchise um it's not very complicated it's very basic rules you roll a dice between one and ten you move that many spaces you play a game you steal stars from your friends you ruin friendships that's it that's all you do um so the main appeal is that it's it's just the simplicity of it 
there isn't a bunch of layers of, you know, kind of bogus baloney that they're throwing in just to fill time. This is just a straight up board game that you play with friends. You grab a Joy-Con. Everyone has a pretty good time. It's not overly complicated. And that's why I'm really liking it so far. Because even the last Mario Party, um, the one on Switch, Super Mario Party, they added this thing where you can have partners on your journey. So say I'm playing Mario Party as Mario, I can land on a space and Monty Mole will join me. And now whenever I roll my dice, Monty Mole will also roll a dice and he'll add plus one or plus two to my roll. I can keep doing that, but that also makes it hard for accuracy. Like if I want to roll a six, I can try. But if I roll a six, Monty Mole rolls a one or a two, then that means I'm moving an eight, which is not what I intended to do or fun. Um, is it like easy to grab? Because I've played exactly one game of uh mario party in my whole life mm -hmm. and i had no idea what was going on <laughs> it, it is very easy um they're like pretty uh informative tutorials at the beginning of each map each map has their own rules as well um on one of the ones i don't know what it's called right now but there's uh different paths you can go down and between turns um the sign that lets you know if you can go left or right changes so if you're playing on turn one you get to this branching path, you go left, but on turn two, you have to go right. And these are very different paths with very different things that you'll find on them. One of them will also probably take you towards a star. One will take you very, very far away from the star, but also might have some other good things for you as well. So the uh, tutorials are really fantastic. Um, like I said, it is the most simplistic Mario Party out there at the moment. Um, so I think it's just going to be really easy to pick up and play especially with holidays coming up like thanksgiving and christmas and everything else this is gonna be a really really uh great success for nintendo this time of year well like you said uh simplicity is i think a big draw for this kind of game because mm -hmm. you're going to be at thanksgiving or <clears throat> christmas with your family and some of them might not necessarily be gamer orientated yeah so yeah it's a nice one to grab i think if um yeah and I wanted to hop back into um, the online part because, well, like we've done, uh, my partner have, and I have probably played three times together, which, by the way, I'm winning two to one um, in that scoreboard. Um, I'm sure she'll hear this and appreciate me saying that. Um, but the online play is fantastic. Uh, so what you can do is there's a mode called survival mode and everybody starts. It's you and three other players online and you each play a mini game. Whichever one person wins that mini game advances to round two. And then you're also kind of playing against people who have won one mini game in a different server or a different lobby. And you're playing these mini games until you lose. And once you lose, you're back down to zero, back down to the ground floor. It kind um, of sounds like Mario Party Battle Royale. <laughs> it does. And it's actually almost reminiscent of like Fall Guys in a way as well, where you're playing these mini games, not with like 50 or 100 people, only with three others. But it's who can get to the finish line first, who can throw a dodgeball at the other team the fastest, like these very fun, quirky mini games. Um, and there's that global, interesting to me. yeah, there's leaderboards as well. So you can see right now, I think the player in first place on survival mode has won 35 mini games straight without a defeat. That's so pretty that's, insane. That's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I probably played for like five hours. I've only lost connection once, which for a Nintendo game is pretty good actually compared to like Mario Kart or smash brothers. Um, so I'm really enjoying the online. I do have a couple negatives about the game. And I don't know if the negatives are coming up just because I'm used to the PS5 right now, but I'm getting really tired of load times in Nintendo games, um, especially ones that have me like looking around my room because I'm so bored waiting for the load time to go away. I'm like, oh, yeah, that painting I have in my living room. Oh, yeah, I'm going to make a snack. I have time for like a sandwich while this game loads. 
Um, maybe that'll be fixed in the future. I hope it does, because right now it's a pretty big complaint. And then I also hope that they add more maps and characters. Because like I said, they added five different maps from the original three Mario parties. But there's still some really, really good maps from those games that aren't part of this package that would do really well in an update, either free or paid DLC. So I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm having a good time playing it by myself as well as playing it with my partner. I'm sure it'll come out during Christmas time. Um, and I'll probably have some more thoughts as we go as well, along as well. I just hope that Nintendo doesn't abandon this thing now that it's out. And hopefully they continue to support it with, you know, patches, updates, and even some more content would be good. So that's a wrap well, on Mario Party. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, Nintendo seems to be pretty good about supporting things that might not necessarily be their mainline games. I mm-hmm. mean, they supported the Wii U for <laughs> a long time after all. <laughs> well, the only reason I say I hope they support it is because the last Mario Party for Switch was Super Mario Party, which I think came out November 2018, is my guess. And that game had its first update less than a year ago when they added online play to it. So it took them about two and a half years to add a 1.01 update to Super Mario Party. So I'm hoping they don't take too long on this one. And like I said, if they want to keep this game alive, they should probably be adding more maps, more characters, just like a slow drip for the next few months. So that's it for Mario Party Superstars. So hopefully more people play it. I think it's a lot of fun. Last week, Mark was talking about a game called Doom 3. And then this week, I noticed on our Google Doc about games you want to talk about, Jessica wants to talk about Doom 3. How'd that go? Yeah, thanks, Mark. <laughs> it was on his honorable <laughs> mention for uh, games to play at Halloween. Um, and All good. He, yeah, you really sold it to me, Mark. <laughs> it, uh, it does have st- survival horror elements to it, um, which I really quite like. Because even though you get like traditional Doom crazy, just go crazy and shit at the demons, you get a lot of ammo, you get a lot of weapons, but it actually can run out really quickly. Um I thought I was going to have a little bit of trouble at it to begin with because it's you know, like Doom, it's just so fast paced. But this was a bunch of narrow corridors. Like like you said, you, you said it had a very dead space vibe. I, I got that from it. Um, but it actually really works. I've got stuck a couple of times in corners, but um, it's really, really fun. And I just got the plasma rifle and the chainsaw and it's just adds like times 10 to the fun. <laughs> Did you run into any of the serious? I had a few jump scares that I remember mm-hmm. from it. Uh, yeah, like so going around a corner. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, no, go ahead. No, there was also this one sequence I remember. Um, there was one sort of creature climbing around in the roof and you're working your way through this uh, part of the level and you're just not sure when it comes out. And eventually it was quite nerve wracking. Um, that sounds yeah. very um, alien isolation. I've not got that bit yet. Uh, yeah, uh, just... I have Doom 3 for the PSVR, and you guys are really talking me out of this one. <laughs> oh, come on, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I was too afraid to play Doki Doki this week. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but I also recommended Res 7 as my scary game, so I don't know. Yeah. I, have a weird, I have a weird spectrum for this stuff. Um, it might be more of a question for Mark. Is there one specific thing about Doom 3 that makes it stand out from the other dooms like one feature one like key element well perhaps it was just a bit different 
from the others in that, in a way, I would say you can't really say it was more of a slow burn. It just had a completely different vibe where it, when it did have that slight survival element to it where the other Dooms, you're just this like crazy, you know, you're the Doom Slayer. You are going to just kill everything. Like you don't really have that vibe with Doom 3 where it does have parts where it's like kind of scary. Like demons aren't scary in the other Dooms. They just, they just, you just kill them and that's, that's it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> where Doom grunts. 3. Yeah. Okay. I suppose you do get the occasional demon where they are quite intimidating in the other dooms, like Eternal and the yeah reboot. But I, I just had this yeah, like I said, the slightly survival horror, a little bit of you know working your way through dark, scary passageways where there's a jump scare waiting for you or something like that. Yeah. It, just set it apart, uh, and it's either love it or hate it. A lot of people didn't love it, so, yeah. Did you play the edition? Because I didn't know this. I was talking to my brothers about it. It didn't originally have you being able to hold a weapon and a flashlight at the same time, because that's the way I'm playing it on Game Pass, the BFG edition. Um, he's. I looked it up, and you did originally. You could only have a flashlight or a gun. I think I did play the BFG edition. Um, yeah, it was a while ago when I played it. It just stood out to me when I thought about like scary games, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or Halloween kind of games, you know. It definitely did. I, it definitely got yeah, me um, when, It had some cool weapons as well, like... Oh, okay. Uh, and there was also... Have you got the Soul Cube or whatever it's called yet? No. Oh, okay, yeah, you'll like that. I'd love to hear what you think about that. <laughs> I do love the chainsaw. Every game has a great chainsaw, and this one's so Chainsaws are so OP in Doom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to ask if you beat it, Jessica, but it sounds like you're still you're still making your way through it. Yeah, I had about two sessions with it. Um, I'm about four or five hours into it. Um, so, no, I got, I got the chainsaw last. Don't know how long it lasts for, but I'm having a real fun time. That's I awesome. just you, have to ask. You plan on finishing sorry. it real quick? You plan on finishing the game? Yeah, I'll definitely okay, keep cool. going with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, Mark. Oh, no problem. Uh, I just wanted to ask, um, how, well, since I haven't played it in a while, how is it holding up in terms of like modern games and things like that? Oh, well, like I said, it, it, it does get a little janky going three quarters because you're going so fast but for the most part it's fine it's still really fun to go back to it actually reminded me a lot i played i think it was quake 4 on the xbox 360 um it reminds me a lot of it i still love going back to quake 4 um a bit too fast sometimes but it's really fun just to go back to if you want a slightly more horror tinged doom game okay well that's super glad you're that's super exciting having fun okay i'm gonna have to start playing more of mark's horror game recommendations if this worked out so well for you then maybe it'll work out for me yeah i did recommend ddlc but uh yeah <laughs> okay well i'll talk a bit about what i've been playing this week uh it has been a slightly slow week for me but i did uh, jump a little bit back into uh pokemon unite uh they've got a whole bunch of new stuff going on so i tried a few of the new characters that they've added in um and yeah you know there's always that sort of stage where you have teething problems with the new champ. So I'm still kind of there where you get stomped and stomped and stomped until you really learn the ins and outs. Um, 
Is Greedon yeah, still the um, new character? Yeah, Greedon's in there. Um, they also, well, I don't know if he's the newest, but they've added uh, Mamoswine, Sylveon, and maybe a couple others. Who knows? But uh, I haven't actually tried Greedon yet, and I'm really curious to. But I haven't. I've got some. I've got enough. Um, I don't know what you call it, but let's say credit to to buy him. But I haven't taken that plunge yet because it takes a while to build that stuff up, uh, like any free to play game. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. um, I really wanted to get Blissey when she came out, or when they came out. I'm not sure if Blissey is always a female. Um, but you're right. The amount of work it takes to earn in-game currency in Pokemon Unite is probably one of the reasons I haven't played it in like three weeks. Like you are grinding and grinding just to get one character or like one skin or something like that. And I just right now, I just don't think I have the time to put into it to get a Squirtle or something, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's one of those games where it's quite fun to play and I'll jump in now and again just to see what's going on. But it does take quite a grind, and of course, that's because it is a free-to-play game, so they want you to put something in there just to <laughs> keep them going. And I'm sure a lot of people are. You know, there's some very cool skins coming out, and they had a nice um, Halloween-type event going on. Uh, I forgot to mention that last week, but okay, it's still up at the moment, so you can jump into the one of the maps, and it's all Halloween-themed. There's pumpkins and things everywhere. You get a special item. All very cool. Which I, I was watching my partner play. And at, at one point, she turned into a pumpkin. I'm not sure what happened there, but somebody used like a spell on her, and then <laughs> she was a pumpkin. Yes, you do get turned into pumpkins, and uh, it's not a great time. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> I'm not playing that <laughs> mode. Actually, I was wondering. I was going to ask you. Is it fun? I think it was in the it was in the quick stadiums, wasn't it? Yeah, it's uh, one of the quick games. Uh, it's just a five minute game, but yeah, it's. Pretty much the same as normal, but you can get turned into a pumpkin. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what um, rank pu- did either of you get to? I'm curious because I never got the master. No, I never. Uh, got no, the I didn't either. Get, no, neither did I. I think I got to like great or something like that. <laughs> okay. I was trying I'm to get ultra. Great. I was I was very close. I got to veteran five, and I just cannot get past it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I kept playing casual. Like I, I don't, I don't love ranked matches in any game. Almost like I just, I put me in casual, put me in with like the other babies. I'm getting better. They're <laughs> staying the same, so it works out for me just fine. Yeah, that's the spirit. Well, yeah, um, I can't say I'm no great shakes at Pokemon Unite or any MOBA really, but they are fun to play, and uh, I like what they're doing with it. So I'm curious to see where it goes and yeah so far so good i guess yeah i think pokemon unite is still on my top 10 games of the year despite me not playing it for like the last maybe five six weeks but i put like 70 hours into it that first season like i was just playing it non-stop mind you i was like listening to podcasts and music while i was playing it so it was like a multitask game for me but yeah no all the new stuff is very cool but the more new stuff that comes out while I'm not playing it the farther behind i feel and unless they do like a free, like, hey, have 5,000 coin bonus or get a free Pokemon or something, then it'll be a while before I hop back in, probably. Well, that's one of the biggest things about this type of game is they are quite a huge time sink. And with so many other great games coming out that we want to play, is it's, unless you're really committed to it, is mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to feel like a little baby. And, but it's yeah. still fun to jump in and 
play with other babies, I guess. <laughs> like exactly. Yeah. Um, when I'm looking at like games to play right now, I'm looking at like Guardian still. I'm looking at Death. Like I'm looking at games from this year. I'm I still haven't played yet that I want to play, and those are taking priority over even like Animal Crossing or Pokemon Unite for me personally. But I did find time this week to beat a little game called Metroid Dread, which um, took me longer than I wanted. I did stream the game, so I wasn't playing it. Um, I didn't play it off air once. I only played it while I was on uh, online, um, doing like two to three hour sessions per episode. I love this game. This is a really good game. Even if you haven't played a Metroid before, you should go play Metroid Dread. Well, I have been curious to hear more about it since we spoke about it in, I think, the first podcast we did together. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, it's taken you a while, but like you said, you've been playing it, you know, been streaming it the whole time. So it does mm -hmm. tend to draw things out. You're not just sitting for long sessions on your own. And I feel yeah, like so, um, one of my main takeaways, uh, like one of the main thoughts I've been kind of sitting on and thinking about is since the last Metroid, Metroid Fusion back in like 2001, 2002, there's been a whole genre. I mean, we, we talked about some of these games, the Metroidvania genre. There's been so many of these kind of games coming out trying to replicate the Metroid formula. And Metroid comes out swinging 20 years later. And like, they mastered it. Like, they, they know what they're doing, obviously. But I still feel like this is, it's not even a Metroidvania. It's just a Metroid. There are so many games who have tried to imitate this, this game design style, but none of them can beat the king. Is what I realized. Like none, even something like Ori, which I love Ori so so much, it's still a different kind of game than a Metroid. It still um, is different enough that it feels unique. But I also think it's incredible that Metroid Dread has come out, and it didn't take any ideas from its um, its clones over the years. Like it's not like Metroid Dread came out and it feels like Axiom Verge. It doesn't feel like I'm playing Ori. It doesn't feel like anything else. Um, and that's really impressive that it stands alone so well today. Would you recommend it to me? He, <laughs> I'm ashamed to say I've only played, um, I think it was Other M, the Metroid game. And I really didn't like it. <laughs> no, well, that's okay. You're not supposed to yeah. like that game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, isn't that the Metroid that nobody's supposed to like? Yeah, I really shouldn't have started there. It was the first that's mistake. That's like the story base. Like they try and fill in like a bunch of gaps from Metroid or Samus's timeline. They're like, oh, I bet you wondered why she does this one thing. And they give you a half an hour backstory. It's like, I didn't care why she did that one thing. That's fine, though. <laughs> yeah. um, I would recommend Dread for anybody because there is a really nice catch up at the beginning of the game that lets you know the events of the four games before it. Because while Metroid uh, Prime exists, they are not part of the canonical Metroid timeline. Essentially, you're looking at Metroid 1 for NES um metroid 2 for the game boy super metroid and metroid fusion and then metroid dread is the fifth game in this uh in this collection or series um but they do catch you up at the beginning a, is there much of a story or is it just more about the gameplay there's the most story in dread i would say oh, okay. between uh cutscenes that happen to dialogue that happens um voice acting throughout the game which is way more than we got in fusion the latest metroid game um i just want to like just kind of like list off all the things i loved about dread the boss fights were amazing um every single one was unique and had my heart racing and if you want uh i'll do a little plug twitch at Jamakai. watch me have a heart attack while i face that last boss for an hour it was fun um but the boss fights of course are very old school in that they're attacking you with these patterns and it's up to you to recognize the patterns and know how to dodge them there's not a single attack in this game that you 
that is undodgeable. There is a way to avoid damage at all times. You just have to figure out what corner to hide in or what attack to use to deflect the one being used against you. Um, there's even this like really cool moments during boss fights where it almost becomes cinematic. You're still doing button inputs. There's visually a lot happening on screen. Like, I don't want to spoil anything. I want it to be a little spoiler free. So if you do play it, Jessica, or anyone else listening, you go in not knowing what to expect from this thing. Um, but boss fights could take you from like one side of the map to the other and then back again to where you started. Like you are doing this really almost like I don't want to say Metal Gear Revengeance because that's too much of an exaggeration. But you're doing these like almost quick time events and they're very flashy, very stylized, very cool to watch happen. And they just make you feel tough and they make you feel good about doing it. Um, and the entire game does a good job of just making Samus one of the best, I think, um, characters in games. Like she's had a long, tough story. She deals with PTSD. She deals with like the loss of her family, which is not a spoiler. That just is off screen stuff that happens. But she's such a strong, heroic female character. And for her to be like one of the first ones in like 1986 or 1987, and she's still killing it today is just so, so impressive. Um, the um, I do have a couple negatives. Like I, this game is not perfect. I will say one of the things even up to the last minute of the game, there are so many weapons that they give you and they're all mapped to different buttons on your controller. It gets really hard to remember which button does what, especially when some weapons to use will require you to hold R, press R, and then tap Y. Like there's some really weird uh, button twist or finger twister you're doing on your controller to do all this stuff. And bosses don't give you a break to look at your controller and figure it out. They'll charge at you and you have to figure out how to shoot ice whatever right away well yeah um that's one of the things uh, that i think would be a stumbling block when you put a game down for mm-hmm. i don't know a couple of weeks or a month or two which i've done at times uh with you know something new and exciting will come out i'll jump into that and then mm-hmm. i try to play this great game and i just don't know how to play it anymore uh I did play a bit of Metroid this week as well, but not Metroid Dread. <laughs> I played a bit more Super Metroid, which is a game I really love going back to. And I, I haven't beaten it yet. So, yeah, shock horror, <laughs> whatever. But, I yeah, one, that's um, one of the things I struggled with was um, some of the, like, finding the right weapons and things. I suppose mm-hmm. it's a lot more simple than what we've got now with, with Dread. I haven't played it yet, but... Yeah, that kind of resonates a bit with me after playing a bit more. It's kind of like one of my plus points as well. Because like like you guys know, I've been playing like two hours of this game a week. Um, but whenever I picked it up after three or four days of not playing it, I was able to quickly figure out what my next destination was. I was able to th- to like remember I have the grappling hook. I have the bombs. I have this power up. Like you can find that stuff. Um, and even like four or five days between play sessions, I was able to pick up, be like, I'm going to Ice World, I'm going to Fire World, I'm going to this place. So even though like my brain and like whatever had moved away from the game, whenever I came back to it, I was just in the zone and ready to go. Where I feel like even like Super Metroid, you put that game down for three days, come back to it. You're like, oh, I'm in the purple area. Now I have to go back to the to the orange area, I think. And you go to orange, find out you're wrong, I have to go all the way back to purple area. There's a lot less backtracking in Dread than there are in previous Metroids, which really helps it out, I think. Well, I'd say fortunately, I'm playing it on Switch where you do have like save states, essentially. Mm -hmm. 
And I suppose that is kind of like cheating. It feels like cheating. It really does. But, <laughs> you know, like I think I'd saved right outside of a, like a boss door or something. Mm. And yeah, I'd been struggling with this boss, but I jumped in, I think last night and made quick work of it, which felt nice. good. So I was like, I'm the man, you know, and <laughs> carry on with my life. And I'm looking forward to hopefully finishing it this time around. <laughs> Yeah, I really hope. Like, I think there is actually. I think Nintendo put a demo out for Dread uh, on Halloween Day, which is very weird that they put a demo out for a game three weeks after it was already released. But if you guys are looking at or thinking about trying it, get the demo. And I think it's the, maybe the first half an hour to hour of the game. Um, minus the controls, the other thing I wanted to kind of nitpick and shout out is I think Metroid has some of the most iconic music in video games. I also think Metroid has one of the best like got item sounds like when you find a new thing and it's do 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 metroid dread i think kind of disappoints in the music department um the only things that were really iconic were songs that were riffs of previous metroid songs most of the original music was not as catchy or uh rememberable as previous metroid games so i i dinged a couple marks for that as well i feel like the music has always helped metroid create atmosphere and it more so just existed in dread than actually adding any uh weight to the situation i was in um and i asked yeah one last thing i think it probably has the best moment in a game this year for me personally in the last 30 minutes i don't want to spoil it but that last like from the last boss fight two credits a lot happens and all of it had me like I feel like a six-year-old watching like Pokemon on TV again. I was just so excited running around in circles. Like, this is crazy. I love this so much. Um, so like I said, I love this game. I don't think it's going to be number one or two on my list of the year, but I loved it a lot. How long is it? Well, I suppose um, like how you handle it, but just generally. Yeah. So it's a little tough for me because I'd leave my Switch on while I was doing like uh, stream prep stuff. So I don't know how accurate my playtime was, but it was around 10 hours. Hmm. And that was, and that was for, I think I got like just over 50% item completion. So I did not, like I got the essentials. I did not do a lot of extra adventuring to find missile packs and stuff. So roughly 10 hours, but it really, really encourages um, replayability. You unlock hard mode after your first playthrough. So if you had a good time the first time and you want a harder challenge, you can go right back in with a harder difficulty and, and try it again. Judging from what you've been saying, I think I will at least download the demo. Yeah, 100%. I think it's great that they dropped this demo because Metroid is, you know, typically not one of Nintendo's biggest franchises. But it, by releasing a free product that people can at least try, they can get a feel of if this is something for them or not. Mm -hmm. Well, I've had that experience with uh, demos that have either... Sometimes it makes me want to play the game, but I'll be honest, more often than not, I've played a demo and I've been like, well... Yeah, this is cool, but I've actually had enough just playing the demo. So hopefully Metroid isn't the same because I really like the idea of Dread and I'd like to uh, play the game. So I'll definitely be checking that demo out and yeah. hopefully not. And one of the, um, I didn't even talk about like the Emmys in Dread, which are like one of the big, big uh, unique things about this one where you're being stalked by these robotic creatures i i know people didn't love it i really enjoyed it i thought that was some of the most tense and fun parts of the game was either in an emmy escape sequence or in a sequence where you're taking down an emmy after being chased by it for two hours or whatever like, it's very satisfying it's like 
um it's like finally killing the bad guy at the end of the movie you know it's like redemption it's a good feeling um and I, I do think the demo will take you through at least the first emmy encounter so you will get a taste of that if you try out the demo so those are my thoughts on metroid dread i i thought about playing it as soon as i finished it but unfortunately stuff like guardians is still on my my queue so i i'll go back to it before the end of the year for sure um i just need some some time apart from it Jessica, you've also been playing a game that I had to look up because I had not heard of it called Moonglow Bay. Can you tell us a little bit more about this one? Yep. So I've been playing uh, Moonglow Moon Bay because uh, it was came out day one, I believe, on Xbox Game Pass. Um, and it looked like another, you know, uh, like wholesome, cutesy indie game. So I give it a go. And that's exactly what it is. <laughs> you um, play a, it's like got like Minecraft-like graphics, and like a little top-down view. And you are playing as somebody who uh, goes fishing uh, with your partner originally. Are they fishing in Canada? I think I just read that this yes. game takes place in yeah. Canada. I forgot about that. Yeah, in Canada. You've got a Go few Canada. little Canadianisms, if that's a word. <laughs> yeah, here, here they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd be able to point them out more than me. But, oh, um, for sure. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a cute little game. You go fishing. The basically mechanics are you fish, you cook the meal, you sell the meal, you earn enough money to uh like invest in businesses and houses around the town to try and make it come all back together again. Um one weird thing right at the beginning of the game, I don't know if it'd be considered a spoiler or not, but it's like literally the first minute. You they're good for you you pick your pronouns you pick your picture and then you pick your partner's picture and your partner's pronouns and then they die <laughs> like just <laughs> what? what yeah they just okay. like <laughs> they die in a uh, fishing incident um and then the game takes place three years three years later and i was like okay well i guess you got me invested by pick letting me pick all that and then killing them oh wow like most, okay <laughs> like most relationships yeah. you choose their pronoun and then they're gone like i don't know <laughs> It was very strange, uh, but I'm guessing like like a game like Lake I played earlier on in the year, it, it, it takes this stuff and then it obviously will have a uh, a nice storyline going through it because your daughter's there. She's came back after you're starting this fishing business up again. Um, but yeah, it, apart from that really strange bit at the beginning, which I didn't know it was going to happen. Uh, it is a cute game. It's something I think people would like if they wanted to put a podcast in the background and just lose themselves in this fishing mini game. Well, uh, from what I've seen of this game, and I've just watched pretty much the trailer, it sounds like the soundtrack's quite charming as well. And there's all kinds of different fishing that I'm seeing going on here, like ice fishing and deep sea yes. fishing. And, so yeah. they've got different regions, I believe, but I I haven't got to. Um, I saw there was an ice one you could go to and get different fish and do slightly different things. I just haven't got to that yet. Uh, it does have a little side mission. Um, thing but it's basically just more fishing it's like fish for this person because they want this and there is a main storyline going on as well are you interacting with a lot with like the npcs like are there like unique characters that you're kind of forming relationships with or is that more of a not as important in this game yeah they do have it but um i haven't maybe if i played it a little more uh you'd get a bit more with it but i see a random like they're all named characters anyway around and they all do have their own little personalities um but as far as i've played they're just there to give you like Oh, can you cook this for me? Can you fish this for me? There isn't like a like a romance system. You're not trying to find a new partner, are you? You're not like trying to. So uh, this is something I also appreciated. You 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 play an older couple as the beginning. So um, 
it's just about I think you trying to recover after this three years later incident of your partner dying um and exploring exploring that grief as well as just having this this cutesy little mini game yeah and have you you're still playing it you haven't you haven't beat it yet you're still kind of just casually playing it yeah i'm actually very early in so like mark was saying there was different regions and stuff i haven't even mm. really been to the ice region which i've seen but you you can kind of once you get your boat go wherever you want if you wanted to uh collect all the fish and you you get a nice little journal yeah and this you time of year too we're like winter's coming it's getting colder you're going to want to be under a blanket playing more cozy games something like this just seems like kind of perfect for like a morning or an evening by a fire just like candles lit just getting really cozy with a uh, moon glow moon glow bay yeah exactly um yeah, well, sounds super charming <laughs> and yeah i'd like to possibly try it out it gives me kind of um slightly stardew valley kind of vibes I suppose the graphics are very different but it does have that kind of similar charm and draw to me as that kind of game where you are investing in a small town and bringing it back to life in a way. Yeah, I also thought Stardew Valley when I first saw this and I asked Jessica. Um, but we neither of us have played Stardew Valley, so we didn't know <laughs> if it was or not. Uh, I, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. As a big fan of myself. It actually, um, it almost almost reminds me of, I reviewed um, earlier this year a game called Garden Story for Keen Gamer. You play as a little grape named Concord and you're trying to help this little village out. Um, it kind of reminds me of that, that title. Um, I think there's only one game left to talk about, and it's not even really a talking thing. I uh, I need to vent about a game called Persona 5 Royal real quick. Um, around this, yeah. So around this time last year, November 2020, I looked at my shelf of games and thought, what game should I start playing? And Persona 5 Royal, which I, I guess base Persona 5 came out 2017. I was like, you know what? There's a lockdown. There's a pandemic. I got so much time. I'm going to start Persona 5 Royal. Um, and it's been like a slow go. I've been playing it with my partner, so I only play it when we're both at the house available to watch me play it. Um, so what makes Royal different from the base game is that it includes a new character for your party, as well as a whole new semester of school for your character to attend to and create more social links. I don't know why I assumed in this game that that would just happen automatically. I didn't realize that you had to earn the Royal content in the game. So last week... I played and beat Persona 5. My file, my my save file, I think says 105 hours on it. Um, and then credits rolled and I was back to the main menu. And I was like, wait a minute, wasn't there like a whole like post game, like 20 hours of extra content in this game? And I guess um, in Persona 5 Royal, there's like there's a teacher that you need to make a, a bond with and you need to max out that bond by, I think it's like November 1st in in game or something i didn't realize this i had like a four or five star connection with this guy and then he was like all right i'm leaving the school bye everyone i had no idea that i had to get this guy maxed out to unlock the dlc content i really wanted to play and now i'm in a situation where i have to replay persona 5 possibly another 40 to 60 hours because this is end game stuff like the royal stuff happens near the end of the game not after the credits like i imagined or assumed but it adds another 20 hours of gameplay before the end of the game so i i'm i am just i i'm torn i'm like do i put this game on the shelf and come back to it in five years do i just start fresh there is new game plus so i am stronger than you would be at the beginning of a new save or a, a new playthrough 
but that's still six dungeons, a whole school year. Um, I got to rebuild my, all my social connections. Those all reset with a new game plus. This is more of a, a PSA to anyone out there. If you're going to play Persona 5 Royal, they don't tell you this in game, but be best friends with the uh, school psychiatrist. If you want the Royal content that you paid for. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You played the whole game. Mm -hmm. And... Didn't JRPG. Get the bonus content. Well, JRPGs, G's, uh, sorry, tripping mm -hmm. up my words here. JRPGs tend to be quite lengthy, and Persona is one of those series I've always wanted to pull the trigger on, so I don't know much about it. But mm -hmm. yeah, that sounds like quite a burn. Is... I'd be second guessing myself about going back in right away. I'd probably put it on the shelf personally yeah. and come back to it. Like, I love you, but. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> I love you, but You've I need some me. space right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, and like I said, if the game would have like maybe it did, and I forgot because, like I said, I started this game last year, a hundred five hours of play of play time, and I've been doing like five hours a week or whatever. Um, so maybe it did say if you want that royal content, better be best friends with your school psychiatrist. I forgot. And even like as the time is winding down for you to have the chance to do that, there's no like nudge, nudge. Hey, just so you know, you have only had 10 more days if you want to play the Royal content, like 20 to 30 hours of exclusive content for this game. Um, so anyway, it's still out by my TV. I'm still looking at it with like my eyes half open, just like glaring at it. Um, it was my first Persona 5 experience, like not Persona 5, it's my first Persona. So I'm just feeling a little bit burnt. By the whole thing and i it really wish like such a dumb way to implement that like yeah because i feel like most dlc would take place after the main campaign that was my assumption and then maybe i'm stupid for thinking that but i assumed it would take place after the main campaign um but yeah no it's uh <laughs> there is a way to fast forward text so i don't have to go through every conversation but i still would have to do every single dungeon every boss fight all the cutscenes. So build up your collection again if you're the demons they're called. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, I think those carry over those carry over okay. with New Game Plus. So I am I'm very strong right now, and I could hypothetically take down bosses like one hit, two hit KOs kind of thing. But even if I fast forward, it's like if a movie is 105 hours long and you fast forward it and it's half the half the time, that's another 50 hours of my life I need to replay just to see the new content that I missed the first time around. Are you tempted to maybe just go on YouTube and have a little look? I am. I I don't get the same experience watching somebody play something as like if the controller is in my own hand and I'm experiencing it. I don't watch a lot of Let's Plays for that reason, unless it's like PT or something that I, A, am too scared to play or B, don't have access to play it. Um, but I'm just like really torn right now. Like I feel like one arm is being pulled, being like, replay me, replay me. And the other arm's like, put this game away, man. Like you have eight other JRPGs that are calling your name right now. You don't have time for this. So... That's my Persona 5 Royal rant. I hope people enjoy this game. I know people love this game. I just um, walked away feeling very, very bitter when I found out that I had flushed away, not flushed away, but like missed an opportunity to get amazing content that I've heard nothing but great things about. But, but otherwise, did you enjoy the game? Like, I besides... did. <laughs> Persona 5 is a really good game. Like it gets okay. it gets so much kudos from everyone and it deserves the kudos from the music to the characters. I do think it gets a little bit convoluted in the end. I feel like it throws too many things against the wall. But the first 80 to 90 hours of that game was a was a joy to play through. Um, 
so I, I will I'll update you guys next week and let you guys know if I'm playing it still for all you know like I'll be like oh no I, I burned it I just threw it into a fire like I I couldn't look at it anymore um so that's it for games we're playing we have it's kind of a slow news week this week but there are still some very very interesting things happening especially as the year comes to an end the first thing we want to talk about and I'll probably um refer to Jessica on this because we were talking pre-show and she seems like she knows quite a bit about the um kind of what's happening here uh amy henning who is mostly known for being a writer and director for uncharted games um she's working with skydance studio for a i believe like a game development studio because skydance is typically known for movies like mission impossible i think they're doing the new top gun movie um and i think they released the walking dead saints and sinners game for vr but it was recently announced this week that their second game they're working on is going to be a marvel project so we've had Marvel's Avengers this year, and we both talked about it last week. We had Guardians of the Galaxy, but it sounds like there's another Marvel game coming to us from one of the creators of Uncharted. Is that exciting for you, Jessica? It sounds like a perfect game. <laughs> uh, I just think it's a, it's a perfect um, like marrying of people. Like Amy Henning is known for like Jack and Daxter, Uncharted. She she did the Legacy of Kane games as well for Crystal Dynamics. Like she has really good story, character driven games. Um, and she pointed that out in the press release for it as well, saying that she wanted to tell like a very human story, like Marvel does well. Um, so they haven't released who it's going to be but I, I have faith in her completely. I always credit her for like her story and her character skills. Like she's really good at developing an interesting story um, that doesn't feel like a copy and paste of something else. It always feels slightly original. And then her characters, like I feel like the way that she, um, do you know which Uncharted she worked on specifically or no? Was she on she all three? All, she worked a little bit on four as well before she left. But before okay. that, yeah, she worked, she was, she was the creative lead and writer yeah. on three of them. Yeah. Like when I look back on my playthrough of Uncharted, I almost don't even think about the gameplay anymore. I'm like the characters and the moments. That's what really stands out to me from the Uncharted series. So to have her working on a Marvel project, that'd be pretty cool. Um, the question is, though, what Marvel project could it be? Mark, yeah, I'm any... interested to hear both of yours. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, any guesses on like uh, a creative behind Uncharted working on a Marvel game? What could that Marvel game be? I'll tell you. I have no idea <laughs> to be very honest with you yeah i'll leave that one up to you guys to speculate about uh, who would you like with... to see oh uh, well we've had some interesting games from marvel and characters i suppose we've had oh well i have no idea like that's if i had to choose I i'd like to play as a villain for a change but that's me yeah i i can't i did I didn't even think about that. I wrote down like possible heroes you could play as. I didn't think about like the idea of like playing as like a Loki or like. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I um, can't think of anyone yeah. like off the top of my head. <laughs> There's so many Marvel heroes and well, they didn't say it's a hero game. So mm -hmm. <laughs> like I had a couple ideas. Guys... Yeah, I had a couple ideas written down. And when I thought about this, I was like, it's probably going to be not group based it's not gonna be like an avengers or guardians it's probably gonna be more focused on a singular character like uncharted is with more of like a supporting cast of characters around them so i was thinking maybe thor i wonder if they could make a good thor game these days i don't know what the gameplay looks like i don't know what the story looks like but i do wonder if that's possible um and then my other thing was maybe black widow i, thought that I think too. that 
I think you can do a Black Widow game in the style of an Uncharted with the same story beats and the same kind of action sequences. Maybe she's not killing like 900 dudes per game like Nathan Drake <laughs> does sometimes. But Yeah, I was thinking someone more like Earth-based because mm-hmm. like she can draw on her experiences from uh, Uncharted and do like really good action. Like I have Black Widow. I thought even maybe Shang-Chi. Like I thought that would be oh, really cool. That'd be cool. Action game. Yeah. I also had Black Panther written down, but they just did that Black Panther DLC for the Avengers game. And I know I know it didn't sell well, but I don't think that's the DLC's pr- fault. I think that's the the base Marvel Avengers game to blame yeah. for the poor sales. So I also, also like Black Widow or Black Panther are kind of my top two for what this could be. Yeah, I'm actually interested in your idea of Thor because I, I, I've i played some of Marvel's Avengers um, and he's my favorite character. I yeah. actually think he controls really well. Like he's cool. So someone with Amy Hennig's cat, uh, pedigree going in and taking that character would be really cool. And you're right about the cast of characters. I didn't really think of that. She is very good for that. So having somebody with interesting characters around them as well would be very good. Well, even if you have Thor the game and then you have like the family dynamics of him and Loki, the same way that you have yeah. Nathan and Sam in Uncharted yeah. 4, right? Like I think that you could do a lot of really cool things with Asgard. He goes to Earth. Like the the environments are there. The characters are there. I just don't know what that story is. What Thor story, unless we're doing like Frog Thor, like we're doing like the Frog <laughs> Thor comic arc and games, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Well, yeah, I was just seeing a lot of speculation online about as there would be, but some of the ideas I'm seeing online that people are talking about uh, are uh, Fantastic Four and another one was Ant-Man, which is a bit of a strange one for me, not one of the more popular Marvel superheroes. So, But you could probably know, do something You could do something really cool with Ant-Man, I bet. I think so too, yeah. I can see it in my head. I don't know how like gameplay-wise it works for like a whole 8 to 10-hour thing, but the idea of being like in a room... And then being able to shrink down to examine like every corner of that room or find secrets or collectibles or, you know, that, that could be really fun, actually. Like Guardians, instead of using like your team commands on Rocket, you're just commanding ants to, you know, smush people and stuff. I'd be down for that. But Yeah, and of everything we've mentioned, actually, Ant-Man's probably the most unique use yeah. of like video gamey idea to do. It's inter- interesting. Yeah, definitely. I, I I like your idea about Shang-Chi, though. Um, I think that'd be really cool. And that character deserves a lot of hype, especially as one of the newest MCU characters in a game with him in it, I think would really help. I was hoping to see an episode of him in What If this year, but we didn't get that. So maybe season two. But we won't know more about that for probably quite a while. But that's just very exciting to know that Marvel hasn't given up on the games industry yet. Obviously, Guardians did really well for them. I don't know if they expected it to do as well as it is doing, but they're going to keep uh, making games, which I think is very exciting. The next topic that we have is a little game called Elden Ring that has been, you know, talked about for three or four years as the collaboration between From Software Studios and George R.R. Martin from Game of Thrones. This week, they dropped a 20-minute gameplay trailer for this game. And do you guys just want to wake me up when February is here? Like, do you guys just like send me a nudge or something? Because this game looks great and I want to play it right now. I tend to agree with you there, Kyle. It really does look like the Souls-like that we've been waiting a long time for. Um, Yeah, a lot of people thought, wow, um, we heard nothing about Elden Ring for a long time. So we kind of thought, it's not happening anymore. It's... But now that it's actually happening, it's 
yeah, I really can't wait either. And there's so much to talk about in the, the gameplay trailer. I don't even know where to start. Let me start with, um, I just want to find out, Mark, what is your history with FromSoft? And then I'll ask Jessica after. Have you played all the games, some of the games? Uh, personally, I have played, I pretty much stuck to the Dark Souls seri- um, well, series. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really get into Sekiro. I'd kind of been Souls out at that point. Um, and what was the other one that came out? Bloodborne? Yeah, Bloodborne. No, I did play a bit of Bloodborne, but I, I'm i sure you've kind of picked up on it in our last few podcasts together is I've never really been much of a PlayStation guy. So, of course, that's a Sony exclusive. And as much as I would have loved to get into that, I did enjoy what I did play of it. Yeah, like I didn't really have much time with it, but I have played all three mainline um, Dark Souls games and probably put an embarrassing amount of time into them. And yeah, I, I really love the style of game. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what this has to offer. What about you, Jessica? Do you have a lot of experience with these FromSoft games? Uh, no, not really. Um, I've tried. Uh, I did like Bloodborne. Um, I feel like a little bit of a cliche. I like horror and Bloodborne is the one I like. But <laughs> it... Uh, Very it like does- Lovecraftian, right? Yeah, it had a really cool like Victorian horror vibe mm-hmm. going on with it. So I think that kept me going with Bloodborne, but um I'm just awful at them. Like I am really bad. <laughs> so it sounds like Marcus played the most, Jessica's played the least, and I'm probably right in the middle. I uh Sekiro was my first one of these. Something about I I love anything Eastern influenced, like anything with like cherry blossoms or just like um Asian history, I think it's just so fascinating. So it has Sekiro stem from those roots caught me um and that is probably the hardest game i've ever played and beaten there are bosses that took me over a day some some one boss particularly took me i think two or three days to master and uh take down that's but nothing I, I still haven't defeated like the fourth boss in Blood <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> I spent, like weeks on it <laughs> i think uh i think my partner is probably similar to you where she has maybe 20 hours in bloodborne and has not taken down the first like big boss yet yeah i i um, will always remember uh, it first came out and I got it for my birthday. I think what was it like five, six years ago that came out? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um. Um. My housemate went to work and did a full shift and came back and I still hadn't cleared the section I was in. Oh, it man. wasn't even a boss. I found it really tough at the beginning. Yeah, that's brutal. Um. So I played Sekiro and I played. Uh, I got Demon Souls with my PS5 on uh, on launch day. So I did play through Demon Souls this year. I played it like the cowardly way with like with magic. I just like stood in the corner of a room away from a boss and just like shot fireballs at it for half an hour till its health bar drained. So I've not, excuse me, I've not played Dark Souls or Bloodborne personally. Those are my gaps. But from what I'm seeing from this Elden Ring trailer, it seems like they're kind of taking elements from all of the games they've made before and putting it into this one. Whether it's like the open worldness that Sekiro provided, which is more of like a non-linear adventure, to um, some of the character design reminds me of Bloodborne where it's very like watching things move in this trailer makes me uncomfortable. Um, at one point in the trailer, your character's in the woods stealthing by a giant creature working on a tree or something. And it just looks like it's going to be terrifying the way that a Dark Souls or Bloodborne was. And Sekiro was not really a scary game per se. Um, yeah, like I said, it's, it, looks like, it looks like a combination of uh, all their games combined. The bosses, there's, they show a boss fight at the very end of the trailer. And that's going to be the guy who I spent two days taking down. Uh, there's like a dude with like 
20 arms growing out of his back and he seems to wield like a bunch of different weapons and I'm, I'm already like so looking forward to being in that arena and learning his moveset the same way for like metroid dread where you're going into boss fights you're learning attack patterns you're conquering attack patterns by the end um what about this game has you the most excited jessica if it's exciting you at all i'm not even sure if this is on your radar of games to play uh, it's a bit of a weird one. I was excited about it because George R. R. Martin's doing the lore and I am a Game of Thrones fan. So I was excited for that and that it was maybe doing something a little bit different than Dark Souls because, I don't know, the aesthetic of Dark Souls I didn't really get into. And that's why I didn't try too hard with it. Um, so I was a bit excited, but then after the trailer, um, I'm probably opposite of you two. I'm like, ah, this kind of looks like a little bit like Dark Souls, but too much for me. But I do appreciate that they've added like quality of life stuff like waypoints. I don't think they've ever had waypoints and like mounts and... I, I I agree their bosses do look very cool, but I, I'm not sure I'll pick this one up on launch. I think I'll have to wait for reviews for this one. Yeah, you're right. I was talking about all the things from the old games that it's bringing back to this one. But in terms of the new things it's doing, like uh, being able to ride on horseback, being able to travel faster than on foot, it's going to be very nice. Also, the horse can double jump, which sure, why not? Um, Mark, what are you looking forward to with the uh, Elden Ring? Well, uh, I think I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum from Jessica, where I am not a Game of Thrones fan at all, but I love Dark Souls. And I guess just getting back into something fresh from from software, uh, first of all, because I kind of, the style of game, I would say it did wear on me a bit, but this does look fresh and interesting enough and... Yeah, like the open world dynamic. Okay, you did say it, they had a bit of that in Sekiro, um, which I kind of skipped out on. But that kind of thing. And yeah, just seeing what it has to offer and the lore. And maybe maybe by the end of it, I'll be interested in Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, that's... I- just get, yeah. get into the books. Like, don't don't invest yourself in the TV show. If you're going to get into Game of Thrones, pick up the the books and just commit yourself to those. Because no, yeah. what are you talking about? He'll never get to the end. I know <laughs> he's, he's never writing that book. Winds of Winter is never coming out. <laughs> no. Um. One last thing about the trailer. I think a trailer is effective and good when it makes you want to go back and enjoy the previous content from even like a movie trailer, like the new matrix movie is coming out soon. And I really want to go back and watch all three matrix matrix movies again, even though I don't like them that much, but there's still a part of me that wants to go because that trailer for matrix is so good. Elden ring. As soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, yo, I need to install bloodborne. I need to go play dark souls. Finally. Like I really got the FromSoft bug after watching Elden ring. And fortunately, I won't have to wait that long because I do believe the game is set to release February 25th, 2022. So we are about four months away from everyone on the internet talking about Elden Ring, which will be very exciting for some of us. We have another news article. Uh, I don't know too, too much about this. I know Microsoft is doing a lot behind the scenes, but it was announced this week that Xbox and Sega are going to, and I'm going to quote, create a strategic alliance to kind of help each other um, in the gaming industry. Sega has been making games for a very, very long time. They have a lot of industry secrets. Microsoft has a lot of the tech stuff. They have cloud-based gaming. They have great online services. So I think they're going to try and work together to create amazing online games um, that you can use the cloud for. Um, Is there anything else from this news article that stuck out to you guys? Uh, I look a little bit more into it because I don't know about YouTube, but I read this and I was like, what the hell does this mean? Um, (laughs) 
lots of strategic alliance. Um, it looks like Sega are going to be using, like like you said, cloud-based stuff, but um, server-based stuff as well from this, uh, I think it's Xbox Azure or Microsoft Azure. Um, apparently, it, I forgot about this, but two years ago, actually, Sony and uh, Xbox teamed up to use this same sort of uh, cloud and server Azure stuff. So I think it just must be like a very good like industry standard cloud-based system. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen also people speculating, and I kind of agree that what people, Sega and uh, Xbox were rumored to have some sort of collaboration. Um, so I think maybe, maybe we'll see more like Sega games come to Game Pass as well because of this. Like maybe they've worked out some sort of deal. Yeah, like the, my biggest concern when I read this is that I hope Xbox isn't planning on buying Sega because Sega owns like Atlas, they own some really good third-party companies as well. And it'd be a shame if stuff like Persona or Shin Megami Tensei, which is coming out very soon, became Xbox exclusive games. So if they're working on a partnership that does not mean any exclusivity on either end, that's cool. Um, I mean, next thing you know, Sonic could be the new Master Chief. He could be Microsoft's new icon. (laughs) we're, We're getting close to that happening. Yeah, uh, I hope it is just like Game Pass stuff and not we've bought Sega now and we own everything. Yeah, and like you never know, like for Persona 6, which they could be working on, they could want to have some sort of online element to that game that they can't provide themselves. Um, because Microsoft is more than a gaming company, they have the computers, they got phones, they got everything. The cloud is so integral to them as a company that they've invested so much money into making it as good as it can be. That's why companies that only do video games are going to Microsoft for this support. Nintendo doesn't have cloud software that works as well. Sony doesn't have cloud software that that works as well. Microsoft is probably the best in the business and Sega probably has some um, really, really big ideas about what they want to do in the future uh, with online content and stuff like that. Um, It looks interesting. We'll wait and see. Mark, do you have any thoughts? Well, uh, one thing sprung to mind. um, I'm not sure what happened with it, but Sega was talking about some sort of concept that they had that was kind of related to cloud gaming, and they kind of coined this term uh, fog gaming. And I think it had something to do with their, I think they still have a lot of, um, uh, quite a big footprint in Japan with their arcade cabinets and things like that. So maybe it's some kind of background technology like you mentioned. I personally don't think it's going to boil down to any major exclusivity or anything Mm. like that maybe there will be some borrowed uh, ip here and there maybe they'll work together on an actual game but i think it's probably more of a yeah tech thing um that you know will be kind of felt but not really consciously you know by games it's not going to be like a wow oh um sonic is in the new halo or whatever (laughs) but oh no (laughs) You know where I'm going with that. I, I'm not speaking like literally, but imagine you know Master Chief though, like using his grappling hook on Sonic, and then just like his like face dragging on the dirt as Sonic's running away from him. Yeah, nothing like that. <laughs> Halo Infinite, anything's possible. I guess so. Yeah. Um, when I think of like the exclusivity thing and like how, like what 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 could Microsoft buy that would make it their own? Like Sega right now is making mostly Yakuza games and Yakuza spinoff games, as well as like Persona and stuff, which those franchises actually started on PlayStation. Um, Yakuza was originally Sony only in Japan. Um, same with Persona. That's only on uh, Sony consoles. I don't know what Sega IP 
Xbox could possibly buy and inherit from themselves. Like, I don't know, Monkey Ball. Um, I, I guess I did, maybe. I did also see this technology was good for like uh, like mobile games as well. Oh. So maybe Sega are looking to like tap into more of the mobile market. Because I don't know about you guys, but I don't really know of any Sega mobile games, like big things. That could be totally it. Because mobile's big, especially in uh, markets like China and stuff. So I wonder if they're trying to figure out how to get... Yeah, you know what? That might make the most sense from what we talked about so far is trying to get their games on mobile through the cloud-based gaming process. But they're trying to top that market. Yep. Yeah, like Jessica was saying, I read the words, uh, Sega has announced a strategic alliance with Microsoft, and I thought they were going to vote Nintendo off of like a video game survivor <laughs> or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> strategic alliance implies weird things to me. <laughs> But we'll find out more about that as time goes on. We have one last news story. We won't spend too much time on it. We did talk about Blizzard last week, um, about the cancellation of BlizzCon and McCree changing his name to Cole Cassidy. But this week, Blizzard came out with another statement talking about Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 and how those games are going to be very, very delayed, possibly 2023, early 2024 games. Um, the only thing I really have to say is that at this point, I think I'm losing interest in either of these games. And I love Overwatch 1. I I play Overwatch 1 to this day. I played for the Halloween event and it was a lot of fun. But we're approaching almost six to seven years since that game's release. And with everything happening at Blizzard right now, I just don't think I'm confident that they're going to deliver a product worthy of an Overwatch 2 name. Mark, what do you think? All I can say is, ouch, like for people that were excited about these games, there is that saying that's often thrown around about delayed games eventually being good. I don't really subscribe to that. And yeah, that to me, it's a bad sign. Uh, I suppose it's good that they maybe want to spend a bit more time on these very more respected and very much loved titles, especially Diablo. They're going to want to really do well with diablo but and, and you're right like when they delayed halo infinite they said because we want to make this game as good as it can be because we want to make the campaign amazing we want to make the multiplayer amazing this is not that situation like i didn't put it on the news article but the co-president of blizzard left since we last talked last week like there's just so much shuffling and people leaving that like people are feeling water on their feet the sink the, the ship is sinking and people are diving off as fast as they can. They're grabbing the life vest. It's like Titanic. It's just chaos there. So it's not even that they want to make these games better or, you know, have more ideas. It's they don't they don't have the team to make to work on these games right now, which is very sad and unfortunate. Yeah, like I because I follow Diablo more than Overwatch, like I kind of get that. It's like you just lost your your lead. Um, well, like I don't know if he got I can't remember if he got fired or if he had to leave. He left the company. I don't know what happened yeah. behind the scenes, but yeah um i get that because like you might have just lost your the creative direction that he wanted to go in uh, like the team of reshuffling like you said the the the, the co-president just left um with the overwatch situ situation i'd be curious to know what you think Kyle, because you play it and i never have to me it always seemed like they didn't know what they wanted overwatch 2 to be because like why would you need an overwatch 2 a hundred percent like overwatch base game is great as it is just keep updating the product with yeah. new characters and maps and you're fine if they were going all in on a campaign mode that looked interesting i would understand it more but everything they've shown of the campaign between skill trees and um like how you go level to level with different characters does not really intrigue me it almost the campaign for Overwatch 2 looks like 
uh marvel's ultimate alliance one for like ps2 ps3 like it just looks like a half-baked campaign and not why i play overwatch yeah do you think maybe they're, they're trying to come up with like a big idea that would sell that then yeah because they keep announcing like new multiplayer modes and like they seem fine but like just put those in the base game that people already own yeah. i also like i was somebody who stupidly put a lot of money into loot boxes overwatch was my only loot box game i didn't buy stuff from across nine different titles i probably put like two hundred dollars into loot boxes at overwatch before i had to like slap my wrist and tell myself to stop i don't even know if that stuff carries over to overwatch 2 like to this day like i don't know what content from the base game is going to make it over to two whether it's my playtime per character or if it's like special event skins that were only available one time only that i had to like be up at two in the morning to earn is that going to carry over to overwatch 2 like i just i don't know and i'm not confident that they know either um it's good to note too like both these games were announced 2019 so these are games that were showed off i think at blizzcon i forget if diablo 4 was shown the same year as the mobile diablo game that got a lot of negative feedback um but honestly i think these are looking like either 2023 2024 or games that never come out that's how i'm feeling about these ones well personally i just think um like jessica i'm also not a big overwatch guy i am kind of yeah i i know a bit about it but yeah like why even go for a overwatch 2 i mean you can't really compare the two but if you look at like a game like league of legends which came out in 2009 and it's still going strong people just well they just keep adding more content to it and that's what they should be doing with like you said uh, they should just be doing that with the base game add new game modes add new characters maps you can go crazy with it i think another similar one not quite the same but um csgo counter-strike uh, global offensive is also came out ages ago and mm -hmm. they are just killing it still it's still a very popular game and yeah they got no signs of slowing down and i suppose maybe they are delaying overwatch to eventually cancel it hopefully they yeah don't do it with um diablo but mm. yeah um yeah one thing to keep in mind for sure is that um Oh, I, I had a thought and I, I may have lost it. Um, others, other service games, like if you think of the most popular service games right now, you think Fortnite, you think Pokemon Go, you think games along those lines. Imagine the gall it would take to be like, we're making Fortnite too, baby. Like, could you imagine? Like, why, why would they just... My exact thought, like, what's the point? Like, it's what's already super popular. It already still has a player base, makes money. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you... It, it reminds me of Destiny 2 a bit. Yeah, um, yes. It, like why would you just add the campaign to it but um they just wanted to make more money sell those yep. discs get that game yep. but i feel like it would be a tougher sell with overwatch because it's just been out for so long mm -hmm. and one thing as well with overwatch is that they have completely halted updates for the original game to work on the second one so people like myself who love the first one we have no new characters no new maps they've been revealed but they're exclusive to overwatch too that's um, really worrying yeah like they announced probably while Jeff Kaplan was still at Blizzard, so maybe like seven months ago, that they're going to stop supporting Overwatch 1 with updates so they could focus on 2. So now the characters and maps, everything's static in Overwatch 1. There's nothing new coming out ever, apparently, for it. Fans who love this game, like I do, just have to wait three to four years for a sequel that we don't really want. 
And by that time, there's going to be something else that you're going to like even more, hopefully. Yeah, I should just get into Dota at, at this point. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know what else to do. <laughs> um, So, like, just more, like, Blizzard right now just seems like a garbage can on fire. Like, I don't know what, what anyone can do to put it out, but hopefully we have some good news coming from them sooner than later, whether it's, like, a new representative that will bring good morals to the company as like a new co-president or if they, I don't know, hopefully we're getting closer to unionization in games. I really hope between Activision Blizzard and everything else happening with all these game companies, even Riot earlier this year, um, I really hope we're getting closer to being able to protect employee rights. Yeah, I've also heard about Ubisoft jumping or some of your employees there Mm. getting in on the action. Yeah, so time will tell. Unfortunately, Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 are not coming out this year. But there are still some other games that are. Uh, We went through a list of the remaining games that are supposed to be coming out in 2021. Uh, Like usual, we each kind of chose our top three games we're most looking forward to. I put Jessica on the spot last time. I think Mark went first the time before that. So I'll I'll go first. Um, There aren't a lot of games coming out, so you probably will hear some duplicates on our list. But we'll go. We'll get there when we get there. The number three game I'm looking forward to personally is Battlefield 2042. Um, I'm not a huge FPS guy. Like the last Call of Duty I played was Black Ops 1 for the Wii, which had motion controls. So that says enough about my uh, Call of Duty-isms. Battlefield 2042 looks like a lot of fun. Um, So for current gen owners, I believe the maps will be 126 players um, at one time. And the maps look vast and sprawling. And they're doing like... Um, there will be sandstorms or tornadoes that happen halfway through a match. It just looks like, honestly, like just like batshit crazy. And I'm ready for that right now. Um, like I said, I'm going to play it for fun. I'm not going to be very good at it. I'm going to hop in. I'll probably die 10 times before anybody else on my team dies once. But it kind of just looks like the chill out, let go, explore this world, fly or not fly a tank, ride a tank, fly a plane. Uh, get sucked into a tornado. It just looks like dumb fun to me. I don't know. Is Battlefield on either of your guys' radars? Uh, not for me, but I was interested. Do you have like previous history of Battlefield? Because you said it was like a Call of Duty. This just one's really sold it for you. Something about this one visually, maybe it's because it's on current gen and like just seeing the visuals of like the sandstorm. And I'm sure on PS5, you'll feel like some some vibrations in the controller and stuff. Like it just feels like a, it looks like fun. I don't think I've played any Battlefields before this one, but yeah, I, I'm ready to hop in. Um, I might not get it new. I'll probably be for like a used or sale price because it's not something I'm super dying to play. But I am eager to hop in and give it a shot, at least. Um, Mark, what is your number three? Well, I'm going to go with, um, I think they're coming out relatively soon, but the Pokemon Gen 4 remakes. Um, I've always been a big Pokemon fan. And incidentally... Gen 4 was the first um, gen that I actually, yeah, I, I was a bit older. Uh, well, okay, backstory. When I was a kid, I loved Pokemon. I never had a Game Boy. And when I got a bit older, I could eventually, you know, I saved up and I bought my Nintendo DS. And that was the first gen that I kind of played on my own because I was always borrowing friends' Game Boys and things. So it's got a lot of uh, nostalgic value to me. But I also think, in general, they had quite a bit of good law. Um, there are a couple of things that worry me about it. Like I've seen 
a story about the what is it called again the battle frontier not being included in the yeah remakes but yeah i'm still kind of excited about them because yeah i don't have my ds anymore and it's one of those games i like to go back to as well um but yeah towards uh diamond or pearl do you think last time i got pearl so i think i'll go with diamond this time awesome it makes a huge difference I want to go back real quick yeah. and let people know Battlefield comes out November 19th and so does Pokemon. I just want to get release dates on these games as well so people listening know. Um, so, I'll, yeah, that'll be fun. Um, we might go back to Pokemon in like eight minutes. Uh, Jessica, what is your number three? Uh, I feel like this one's a bit cheating a little bit, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic for the Switch. Um, that counts. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, it's pretty vanilla pick but it's my favorite game of all time like i i I love it i've got it on basically every system you can get it i've even got it on mobile um so it's literally just another excuse for me to go back in and one of my favorite consoles to switch and play it all over again i lived with a roommate and he had an original xbox and a copy of knights of the old republic and that was pretty much what he did every single night before bed (laughs) i uh i understand the sentiment i played that game i must replayed it so much when i was younger just again and again are you hyped for the remaster or for the remake Oh yeah, like way more mm. than this, but <laughs> this is just fun for this year. Play it again, get the story all in again. It's one of my favorite stories. It was one of the first games I think that would really let you commit to being good or being evil. Yeah. Um, I was multiple, always... multiple endings as well. Am I am I yeah. wrong? Uh huh. Okay. Multiple endings. You could just completely not pick up a character or pick a character. Um, they had really interesting side characters like Bastila and Karth, and even uh, even the villains like Darth Malak. He looked really cool. He was almost like the the silver mm. jaw. Uh, I, I just always remember playing it when I was younger, when I was being like, it's been like eleven or twelve. Because I um, personally haven't played them, so I um I always I've seen people play them and they look great. Would you say it's fair to say that Knights of the Old Republic is like the prototype to what Mass Effect would end up being? A hundred percent. Kind of like okay. I think Jade Empire kind of like bridged the gap. I remember playing Jade Empire, um, but. Yeah, because you had it was the first one that had romance options, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the romance options. You had a bunch of text dialogue instead of the dialogue wheel. Uh, you're absolutely right. It's it's what sold me on Mass Effect to begin with because it was Bioware working on it. And you mentioned that Knights of the Little Republic is available on mobile right now. But is there a part of it is like being on Switch more appealing to you because you won't be using touch controls? You'll be using like actual controllers on the go. Absolutely. Like I've got it on mobile, but I I barely played it. <laughs> it's kind of just that I need this again. Um, the switch like it's just so portable and it's i've got a bigger screen and like you said the controls are just i've got switch lights we'll just take it yeah, that's one of my favorite consoles for playing any game on really mm-hmm. um and i'll definitely i know if i get it on the switch i will play it and complete it on like if i played it on mobile yeah I'm and it it also up. it sorry it comes out november 11th as well yes this thank you for doing that um i've been eyeing it up i think my first playthrough of this game will be on switch when it comes out i'm i'm ready for it to be like my bedtime game i was like hop in bed play half an hour before i fall asleep kind of thing that way i'm ready to go once the remake comes out and i can start noticing the differences between the two the two ports uh have you played star wars uh, or this game mark um admittedly i own it on steam but i've never played it uh, i've heard lots of great things about it and i also have watched friends play it back in the day on <clears throat> old school xbox uh, og xbox you know um and yeah it's like also quite a 
nice one for the Switch, I think. Uh, I may actually just pick it up on the Switch and play it there because it just makes so much more sense than playing it on a PC, I think. But yeah, um, it's good to see like Bioware's good stuff uh, getting some love. And I've also heard some comment from them, uh, don't quote me though, that this might not be the end for the Knights of the Old Republic series. Yeah, fingers crossed. We'll find out. And like between this game and the GTA trilogy coming to Switch, there's like a lot of games that people never thought they'd see on Nintendo finally coming to Nintendo. It might be a good topic one day just to discuss like games we'd like to see on Switch, like old games we'd like to see on Switch. Because um, there's definitely a lot I can think of right now. Um, but my number two is going to be Pokemon Pearl. I, I knew this was going to happen. I knew we were going to have duplicates. That's why I asked you if you're Diamond, so I could say the other one. Um I will come forward and say it was on my list, but I have a backup. So <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so Pokemon Pearl, I'm looking forward to because I loved Red and Blue. I loved Gold and Silver even more. And I felt really burnt out by Ruby and Sapphire that I did not play Diamond and Pearl when they originally came out. I was burnt out on Pokemon at the time. I thought it was too formulaic and too samey. Um, I do remember playing the first two or three hours on my brother's DS because he let me borrow it. But... I'm really looking forward to going back to an old school Pokemon RPG. Um, kind of the top down view, the, the kind of the, the chibi avatars. Like I just want something that doesn't striving for realism like Sword and Shield kind of did. Also, when they strive for realism, it doesn't often look very good. You have trees popping up in front of you a feet before you get to them. Um, so I'm just really looking forward to going back and playing these games for the first time. I know people love, love, love Diamond and Pearl, and I'm excited to find out why. I, I think it's the story, and I is it is it Team Galactic marking that one? Is, are they the bad guys? Mm, you are. I think you're correct. Yes, uh, but you did I, have I me. I could look it up. But <laughs> we'll look thinking it up. about it for a second, I think it is Team Galactic. It's yeah. I think because... it's like one of the more uh, the more evil teams in the franchise history. Like they have like a really dark plan about what they want to achieve. I don't remember, but we'll mm. find out in, uh, I think, also just a couple of weeks. When does it come yeah. out now? November 9th, 19th. Sorry. 19th. Oh, there's a lot of games coming out uh, this yeah. month. And also, yeah. I think, isn't this the one that uh, has like time elements to it? Time and space? Isn't that the. Yes, time and space. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That's why I thought so Team Galactic, something like Universal or like some like Galactus stuff is going to start happening. Yeah, well, it did have, I think, a whole vibe of um uh, well potential destruction of time and space or something along those lines so yeah you know, i guess we'll uh, see do you know who your starter is going to be oh wow um gen 4 starters i think i initially took um little penguin dude oh yes piplup yes Piplup, yeah so maybe this time i will go with i think it's turtwig or other one was I, I don't remember Chimchar, Chimchar, yes, yeah, and he was quite badass. So maybe I think Turtwig needs some love. So we'll go with him. What about you, Jess? <laughs> I always go water. Uh, always starter. go water. Yeah, yeah. Piplup. <laughs> yeah, Piplup is uh, fantastic. I actually shutting out an old game, Pokemon Tournament, the old Pokemon fighting game made by the Tekken people, uh, Empoleon, and the the third form of Piplup is a really strong character in that game. Um, so that's my number two, Pokemon Pearl uh mark what is your number two game well i was just going to go with uh halo since it's also coming out this year we haven't had some uh love from that series in a while so 
and obviously Infinite's a very hotly anticipated game, so I am quite excited for it. And yeah, it is also I think coming to Game Pass day one, if I'm not mistaken. That's one of the Which, reasons I'm most excited for is because like I'll be able to play it without dropping yes. 80 bucks day one. Yes, exactly. And that's, I think, going to draw a huge player base. And especially if, like me, you're into... Oh, but, uh, I did, we did speak about the disappointing news that the multiplayer might come a bit later. But regardless, uh, it'll be good to hang out with Master Chief again and, you know, just have at it. So, yeah, I love Halo, so... That's one I'm quite excited for as well. I know you guys also, have, well, I think more Jessica than you, Kyle, uh, have some history with the series. So similar to Battlefield, yeah. I, I have not played a Halo campaign. I played some multiplayer at a friend's house. Like I said last week, I think I played the first hour or two of Halo 2's campaign co-op. But like Battlefield, I'm ready to hop into this one. Like I am ready to get into a Halo, find out what all the hype's about. Hopefully this one delivers on all the promises it's making. I know people didn't love 4 and 5, so I'm really hoping this is the comeback story for Halo. What about you, Jess? Uh, yeah, it's one of my picks. <laughs> um, Halo Infinite. Uh, I actually, it is coming with multiplayer at launch, but it's not, it's not coming with co-op. So you can't play the campaign with a friend, which I'm actually a little bit bummed about. It's my preferred way of playing campaign. It's so much fun. Team up with someone. Yeah, it was always great to yeah team up and i suppose also if you could do it over like online or whatever that would be even better mm -hmm. yeah um but the multiplayer actually is free as well even if you if you don't have game pass it's gonna be like kind of like fortnite's battle royale, royale mode where anybody can go in and play the multiplayer so i think that's cool i do like that they've taken the extra year to iron out the kinks it looks awesome that gameplay tra trailer we the story trailer we saw last week um I'm so excited to go back and play Halo. I am a bit bummed about not having the co-op, but that grapple hook looks awesome. <laughs> uh, and another thing I really like that they're doing with online is the battle pass. Uh, I don't think I've seen anybody else do this, but you can buy previous battle passes even if you've missed it. So if you had an item that you saw and then you haven't played it in a couple of months, but you see it on the past battle pass, you can just buy that and then work your way towards that battle pass. Kind of like... Um, marvel's avengers where you can just unlock a character's battle pass um so um, i'm glad that they've implemented that with multiplayer i am personally more excited for the campaign though i love the campaigns wish i could play a co-op but um i'm really excited for it when it comes out on december 8th this is going to be a really dumb question from a halo noob so please excuse us when you play multiplayer is everyone master chief or is everyone uh, just like people in the suits no so it changes within games so i think I think it was a Marine in the first one. The second one, you were... Oh, okay. Was it a Marine as well? Yeah, they basically just take a character. ODST, you were another Marine. <laughs> they just... So there's like 16, seven-foot dudes in green armor just like running around <laughs> shooting each other. So I wasn't sure exactly what it was. I think you take the POV of Master Chief, but they see you as a Marine. Uh, oh, okay. Is that what I it think is, they, I think there was some sort of... Um, they kind of like super soldiers, so... Oh, yeah, yeah it's almost like a, another Spartan. Yeah. Yeah, he's just another Spartan. Basically, I don't know. I guess you could say Clone War style. You like the like this uh, really badass super soldier, and yeah, they build like a genetically engineered army, and you're just a random dude, basically. Yeah, <laughs> just wearing yeah. the same armor. Yeah, Halo looks sick. I'm I'm so ready for that game to come out. Between that and Battlefield, I have lots of multiplayer to be uh playing around in. Uh, Jessica, what was your number two? If you still have any left. Uh, on number two, 
uh, yeah, it was Pokemon, but uh, I did have a backup because I mean, it's not out, but people have been playing with it, and that's Forza Horizon 5. Um, it's not actually out for another two days, but if you pre ordered it, I believe, special edition, you got early access to it. Um, and because people have got early access to it, I'm insanely jealous. <laughs> uh, it just looks incredible. I, I dipped into Forza every once in a while. Um, I played Forza Motorsport on the 360. I really liked Horizon 4, but it, it was kind of like my pod, or my podcast or my, my music game. I just stick on something and go driving. Forza Horizon 5 just looks beautiful. It looks perfect. And I'm really happy they brought back Spotify integration. So it plays oh, nice. through, through your radio in the game, which I loved about Forza Horizon 3, but they took out for 4. The thing that surprises me the most when I'm looking up footage about Forza Horizon 5 is that I didn't realize that car games could be funny. Like, oh, yeah. Bantasaurus Rex. There's that. <laughs> and that? Then, you can have the Windows XP shut off sound as your horn. Oh, they have so have, many good wow. horn signs. <laughs> like there's the, the the team sign as well. Yeah. <laughs> there's like the Windows 10 error sound. Like yeah. everything is there from Microsoft. Um, it looks like it looks like a lot of fun. I'm not a car guy. Um, I don't drive. If somebody asks me what kind of car someone is, I'll say it's a red one, probably. Um, I know absolutely nothing about cars. And this looks but this looks like this looks fun. It looks like a lot of fun. And I also, I, I almost put it in news because I thought it was very, very cool what they're doing with their uh, accessibility options in this game. Forza Horizon 5 is the first AAA game to have on-screen sign language interpreters for cutscenes, which I really hope becomes a staple for every game moving forward. It's crazy that it took us this long to get here. Um, but sign language is such a useful thing to have in your game, especially for gamers who are hard of hearing. Um, I just think it looks fantastic and I think it's such a cool idea and I really think it's going to kind of revolutionize accessibility moving forward in games. Agreed. Yeah, it was really good implementation and I actually crazily saw some people complaining about that online, but, um, you don't I mean, need to optional. use it. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to use it. It's there for people yeah. that need it. You, you just, you don't even need to turn it off. It's just not yeah. there. I just um, think it probably doesn't cost the company much to record a sign language interpreter to film the cutscenes dialogue. Like it probably costs the studio like a day of recording and like a day's worth of pay. Yeah, like it's not I, a I huge hate, hurdle. I hated that reasoning as well. Like it's been getting like ten out of tens, nine out of tens, and you you think that they wasted time on the sign language? Like, yeah, it's stupid. It's just wanted to call out how dumb that was. And uh, yeah, I agree, Kyle. It was really cool to have that implemented in it and. It's out November 9th officially, and it is also coming to Game Pass. Uh, so my number one pick is going to be not a AAA game. It's more of an indie pick. Um, I, I'm i really looking forward to Solar Ash, the newest game from the Hyperlight Drifter dev team. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen trailers for this one or not, but it looks like a cosmic journey with amazing music, some platforming, some cool boss fights. It kind of just looks like what I look for in a game, it seems like Solar Ash is going to be delivering almost all of that. Um, I actually haven't even played Hyper Light Drifter. I have it on my PS4. It's a game I always look at. But without even playing the development team's previous games, Solar Ash could be my game of the year. I see the potential. When I watch the trailers, it reminds me of Outer Wilds in a way and just kind of the um, the atmosphere and the space and the art design. So I, I think that game has really high potential. I know... Hyperlight Drifter is pretty much universally acclaimed, so I do have pretty high expectations for Solar Ash as well. Is this game on either of your guys' radars at all? Well, it is now. <laughs> uh, it looks really cool. Um, I don't know. Uh, just, uh, almost like a 3D 
type light drifter in a way. Um, exactly. And yeah, just the aesthetic is incredible, and I think it's got a lot of potential, as you said. Yeah, it's definitely on my radar now. <laughs> Hadn't really thought about that one. Um, but yeah, I'll go with my number one pick. Awesome. <sighs> and yeah, sadly, the one I had actually wanted to talk about only comes out next year, and uh, just fact-checking myself here. It counts. Yeah. We'll do it. I was going to go with... Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. It's coming out oh my sometime God. next year. <laughs> and that's, and the, that's the game from the Scott Pilgrim game dev team, right? Like the people who made that Scott Pilgrim fighting game, I think is also working on Shredder's Revenge. Yeah, it could be. Um, mm. I can't say for sure. But it's just one of growing up with that kind of game, uh, the side-scrolling beat-em-up style game, like Streets of Rage and that kind of thing. Uh, they have seen a bit of a resurgence these days as well, which is nice as somebody from that era. And of course, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were always like one of my favorite cartoons and just characters growing up. So it's good to see them also um, getting a new game in 2021. Maybe they aren't as popular as they once were, but yeah, and just to start a game as well. Uh, I like a good beat em up now and again. So, yeah, it's one I'm really looking forward to. The animations look incredibly charming. Soundtrack sounds also quite cool. Like, it's very old school styled. So, yeah, your mileage might vary, but yeah. It seems like it's the spiritual successor to Turtles in Time that we never got, which Turtles in yeah. Time is probably the game I rented the most as a child. Like, my brother and I would pick it up, we'd get controllers, we'd try and beat the whole game in one sitting. Uh, going from the bridge in Brooklyn, I think, all the way to Shredder's Castle at the end. Um, and this looks like a nice attempt at recreating that energy or that vibe. And like you were saying, Mark, between um, River City Girls and other 2D beat-em-ups, like the genre is coming back in a fun way, which is exciting. Oh, yeah. Um, it could be that spiritual successor you were looking for. Um, that I was going to say that Turtles in Time... Still holds up really well yeah, today, uh, but maybe not quite with the uh, graphical fidelity that we're seeing with this new one. Um, yeah, I'm just a sucker for good pixel art and animation and good uh, chiptune sounding music. So it's what and I'm really be, looking forward to. I could be wrong, but I think they announced that you're you're not just playing as the Turtles. I think, can you play as April O'Neil and um, some other characters as well? Casey Hudson is that is that a is that a character from Ninja Turtles? Casey Hudson. Yeah, Casey was one of the characters, but it sounds like you might know a bit more about it than I do. I just know there's a new Turtles game coming out, and mm -hmm. I think that's really exciting. And yeah, it would be really neat to have a couple extra characters, especially yeah. April and Casey. He was a dude with a hockey stick and like kind of Jason marks get used to kind of help them out. Right. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. I bought that Scott Pilgrim game uh, once it finally came back to us earlier this year because I think it was delisted for almost seven years where nobody could play it legally. Um, and I, I, I'm very confident that that team is going to be working on the Shredder's Revenge and people love that Scott Pilgrim game. So It is. I think it's definitely the same developer. I don't know if it's the same team, but it's definitely the same developer. They also did Mercenary Kings as well. Oh, I don't know cool. if you've ever played that one. I saw people play it, but I didn't play it myself. That's the only one of theirs I've ever played. Um, oh, it was cool. pretty fun. I think it was a it was a PlayStation Plus game at one point. 
Oh, one first. I remember that. It, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. With the Turtles game, I'm looking forward to like some multiplayer. Like I, I don't like playing those games single player most of the time unless I'm like really, really into it. That's going to be like me and my brother and my girlfriend or whoever will sit down. We'll play a few levels. We'll jam out to the music. Have a good time. Uh, Jessica, what was your number one pick for games you're looking forward to this year? Uh, well, it was Halo, but <laughs> right. I am willing to shuffle things up a little bit. So it might not be my number one, but uh, this is another one, like probably your Battlefield pick. Um, I've never played a Shin Megami Tensei game before, uh, but I'm probably going to get stones thrown at me, but I like Persona. So <laughs> I got into Persona. Uh, my little brother's really in the Shin Megami Tensei. Um, along with just I, it does look similar to persona for me it's a huge jrpg i haven't played a jrpg in a really long time um it comes out november 12th which is a day after star wars knights of the old republic which is the only thing where i'm like ah do i get it do i not get it but i think i will because it it just looks so good it's just got those traditional jrpg turn-based combat that you just create every once in a while that you run a play uh i'm, ex I'm, I'm excited for it for the first time ever for a shimigami tensei game that's awesome and in full transparency smt5 was my number three game until my persona 5 royal incident this week and then i just crossed <laughs> it off i don't have time for jrpgs anymore no you've, you've been burnt now <laughs> it's crossing Especially over like, other games <laughs> I, I was so ready to time out my persona playthrough to finish before smt so i could just segue right into it no, never mind. I got to play another 60 hours of Persona 5 again before I can do anything else. So, Well, yeah, also that was one that almost made my list. Uh, but to be honest, I think it's also because I haven't really played any Persona games or even Shin Megami Tensei games. But uh, it does look like, that, like you said, Jessica, the traditional turn-based uh, style that we, and Atlas, of course, does that very well. And I've heard only good things about um, the whole monster mashing kind of effect. So I'd like to try it out. And yeah, I didn't really know enough about it to actually talk about it too much. So <laughs> if you like, oh, no, go ahead. If you like, um, if you like Pokemon and some of the mechanics that are in there, you will find some of that stuff in SMT, which is very cool. Like you're catching monsters, you're not evolving them, you're fusing them to create better and stronger options. But there is some crossover between the two series, which is nice. I do like that it's got slightly like a more like I've heard that it's slightly more adult than Persona stuff. Um, it looks a bit more horry, which is probably why it's 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 drawing me in. I do like the the fusing mechanics of it. Um, I remember in Persona Five, they were getting a little bit sad whenever I had to get rid of Personas um, who I had to combine together. But because I am a Pokemon fan, I want to catch them all, so <laughs> I was fusing them together and killing them. Uh, but that that's interesting to me. I like that. I like the turn base. Like I said, it just, it just it it looks like it's ticking all those JRPG boxes for me. That is probably currently putting it off for you, Kyle. <laughs> but because it's been so long since I've played a JRPG, I really want to get I really want to get it. Yeah, the only thing that intimidates me about this kind of game is they are huge time sinks, and I don't know how long uh, SMT five is going to be. But yeah, I've heard eighty to ninety hours from the reviews I've read so far. Well, that's maybe more than I want to invest in a game, but yeah, with let's be honest, the calendar, depending on what you want to play this year, it's a bit thin until next year. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming out next year, including my number one pick for this year. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, 
there there were supposed to be a lot of really great games coming out these last few months. A lot of them have been delayed till at least February 2023. And that includes like Horizon Forbidden West. Um, obviously, um, Zelda is coming out at some point. We don't know when, but some point soon, hopefully. Um, so save your money now while you can, because the first three months of 2022 look like they could be very, very expensive. So... Those were our picks for the games from this year we are still looking forward to, and even one from next year, just because we could. Um, I want to thank you guys for joining me this week, Jessica and Mark. It's always great talking games with you guys. Is there anything you guys want to plug real quick before we uh, end the show today? Jessica? Uh, I'm just currently doing some Doctor Who reviews. If anybody um, is a fellow nerd like me and loves Doctor Who, if you want to check those out at King Gamer, I'm going to be doing them for every episode this season. Awesome. Uh, Mark, do you have anything you want to plug real quick? Uh, well, besides the podcast, not really this week. Uh, it's been a bit of a slow one, but maybe next week I'll have something more interesting to draw your attention to. Yeah, absolutely. And just just for fun, I'll say if you want to watch me play games, I'm at uh, twitch.tv slash Shamakai, C-H-A-M-A-I-K-Y. Um, I played through all five Metroid games leading up to Metroid Dread's release. I have no idea what I'm going to do next, but I'm sure it'll be fun and embarrassing on my half um for everyone listening if you haven't yet please check out keengamer.com we're a fantastic website we have amazing reviews written by the panel here we have amazing opinion pieces um it's really a great site so we recommend you check it out i hope everyone has a good week and we'll be back next week for some more talk about games on the keen gamer podcast bye everyone <laughs>